Do you feel the tension of stillness? You go from music to stillness. I think it's a great picture of what we do at Christmas, isn't it? How many of you, and I don't want you to raise your hand because I don't want you to have to lie in church. When the church gathers, I should say. How many of you believe, and just this is rhetorical, that you are too busy in general? Too busy at the holidays? What would it look like for you to do what that video suggested that you do? I love that line where it says, stop waiting for Christmas to be over. Start longing for Christ to arrive. I want to invite you today into that posture. Maybe you grew up with Advent, maybe you did not grow up with Advent, but Advent begins next week. So happy Thanksgiving, by the way. And uh, we're just jumping right to Christmas because I can't wait. But I want you to think today. I want you to slow down today. I want you to contemplate Christ. Now, you might think that's what I'm supposed to say, and it is, but I want to invite you in the race of life to slow down for the next five Sundays. Frederick Buechner once wrote these words about Advent. He said, in the silence of a midwinter dusk, there is a sound so faint That for all that you can tell, it may only be the sound of silence itself. You hold your breath to listen. You are aware of the beating of your heart. The extraordinary thing that is about to happen is matched only by the extraordinary moment just before it happens. Advent is the name of that moment. The question we're asking together this morning is why? Why Advent? What on earth does the story of God stepping away from the splendors of heaven, stepping out of the unseen realm and into the seen realm, Robing himself in human flesh as a baby born to a poor Jewish family to live out an average life just to taste the greatness of fame and signs and wonders only for the letdown that was the Roman punishment of the cross. To then rise from the dead three days later Ascend to the right hand of the Father to be seated on the throne room of heaven. What does that story, what does Advent, what in the world does Advent have to do with your life? Running a business, going to college, raising kids, being married, fighting cancer, and every other anxiety of life. What does Advent, what does the next four weeks of choosing to slow down and not be in control 
have to do with any of that. I would argue, and I want to argue this morning, that Advent has everything to do with that. The expectation that Christ will come again has everything to do with your life right now. Because, and here's my thesis, Advent is about incarnation. Advent is about incarnation, and not just an incarnation, but the incarnation of Jesus Christ. It matters. To continue, Frederick Buechner said this next. This will not be on the screen for you. I just want you to listen to it. He says, for outlandish creatures like us, on our way to having a heart, a brain, and courage, Bethlehem, if you're new to Christianity, that's where Jesus was born. Bethlehem is not the end of our journey, but only the beginning. It's not our home, but it's the place through which we must pass if we are ever going to reach home at last. Advent is the expectation, the waiting, the pregnant with meaning pause before Jesus comes. Jesus coming to earth, his incarnation, God taking on flesh, is the whole deal. Listen, if God never became a man, never suffered like everyone else in this life, never died on the cross, never rose to life after death, and finally never ascended back to the throne to be seated next to the Father, I don't think we have a lot of hope and purpose in the here and now And certainly no hope that God will make all things new at a second coming when Jesus will establish a new heaven and new earth. The incarnation matters. Because, friends, the truth is, and we have plenty of evidence for this, that Jesus did did in fact come to earth. He did in fact step out of heaven. He did die on an old Roman cross. And he did rise from the dead. And he did ascend back to the Father's right hand. And because of that, your entire life can be different and you can actually rest. It doesn't feel like it. And I know many of you. I was in Michigan last week preaching and there was a lot of people there and I just it just doesn't feel the same way when I look out and I can't tell who you are. When I look into your eyes, I know most of your story. And I know the temptation to grab the reins of your life, to control everything that you can possibly control. And yet, knowing as some of you are walking through in this moment, that control is actually not really a thing. Right? It just takes a phone call, a diagnosis, a child, a friend, and you can just fill in the blank for your life, but it takes just but a moment. For everything to change. For everything to change. And so even if you're on the mountaintop, don't you know that the valley's coming? If you're in the valley, press on because don't you know that Jesus walks you through the valley of the shadow of death? And that you need to fear no evil because he is with you. But none of those things, in my opinion, matter if Jesus is not who he said he is. If Jesus never stepped out and came, 
You see, I think that's actually, and you've heard me say this before, I think that's actually the difference between Christianity and most other religions. Is that deity didn't look at you and I and say, this is what you must do to get to me. But instead, deity, God himself, stepped out of the splendors and privilege of heaven to become a man like you and me. And he would live an average life, a poor life, and then walk through the cross, the resurrection, and the ascension, so that you, right now, that those who have gone before you, that great cloud of witnesses, would have life. Life that Jesus called an abundant life. matters. And so what would Jesus say is the reason that it matters? If you have a Bible, I want you to look at John chapter 12, verse 44 and 45. It's going to be on the screen for you in a second here, but I want to think about what did Jesus himself have to say? Why was it important that Jesus himself, as an adult man, could look people in the eye as God, setting that aside, still being God, but setting it aside to walk through what you walk through. As he was looking at his disciples, as he was looking at people on hillsides, sometimes thousands of people, whether he did signs and wonders or not, he would look at them, what would he say was so important about them Looking him in the eye. Powerful to think about. And here's what Jesus says in John chapter 12, verse 44 and 45. He said, and Jesus, what does it say? Cried out. This was a passionate plea from the Son to the people. It says he cried out and when He cried out, he said, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but him who sent me. And then here it is, whoever what? Sees. Whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. So in Jesus, we see the Father. In Jesus, we see God. In Jesus, we have God And so if we have Jesus, we have God, we have access to the Father, listen to what he says. He says, if anyone, if anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on that last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is, if that was a blank, what do you think it would say? Talking about judgment, talking about this, talking about that. Jesus says, I came to save the world, I didn't come to judge the world. He says, you have a judge. The word I've spoken is the judge. And then he says this, right? He says, and I know that his commandment, the Father's commandment, God the Father, 
the eternal one, the Alpha and the Omega. His commandment. There's a lot of things that I think that most people would put in that blank. For Jesus to be talking about judgment and say, and I know this, I know what my Father's command would be. And what's the command? He says, I know my Father's command will be eternal life. Of all the things that God in the flesh could have said, He said eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Jesus seems to think that being able to see Him really matters. That being able to see Jesus in the flesh as the representation of the Father, the very image of God, matters. And what's so powerful about that is that Genesis tells us that you and I were created in that very same image and likeness. And so therefore, as Paul tells us, We're His ambassadors now. So the Father sent the Son so that we could see the Father and the Son sends the people so that we can see the Son. How will anybody this Christmas know who Jesus is? You and I. You see, it's the collision of where the incarnation matters to your life and to your neighbor's life into all of our life right now. And I love this. I want to look at these just real quickly, these three pillars of the incarnation in this text. The three pillars of what this incarnation is. First of all, that number one, Jesus is God. He's saying as much that if you are seeing me, you're seeing the Father. In other scriptures, he would say, I and the Father are one. The confession of the Old Testament is that there is but one God. We talked about that last week and in multiple times through our series through James that we just finished. That there is one God eternally present in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We aren't just following anyone. The incarnation matters because what we're saying is that there is only one God and He chose to come. He chose to come. And so, Jesus is God. Number two, Jesus is Lord. And this is where we get in trouble in our day and age, isn't it? This is where you and I get in trouble in our daily life, isn't it? Jesus is not only God, but He's Lord. That means He's in charge. He says, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has given me a what? A commandment. So he's Lord. He comes with a commandment, a non-optional thing from God the Father that he's going to bring to the earth. To the earth. This matters to you, it matters to everyone, because if he's not that guy that he said, then you don't need to listen to that commandment. Jesus is God, Jesus is Lord, it matters. But I race through those to get to number three, because it is the point of what he's saying matters about the incarnation, and that's number three, that Jesus saves. Because, listen, again, of all the things he could have put in that blank, of all the things that Jesus could have said, 
He said, I did not come into the world to judge the world, but to save the world. And the commandment that my Father has sent me with, who is the judge, by the way, is one of eternal life. Jesus has not come as darkness, but rather he comes as light. The darkness in your life right now is not Jesus. The darkness in your life is the devil. And his team of demons who, in fact, are lurking behind every corner. They are there. Paul wrote these words to the church in Ephesus. Churches in the surrounding area of Ephesus. And he said this, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Just by show of hands. I want you to be honest. I'm going to raise my hand first. Is there anything in your life where you, you are wrestling with something? Be it a person, a thing, a place. Raise your hand. You're not raising your hand, you're lying or you're sleeping. Alright? We all are, right? Like, if there's a universal commitment to life, it's called struggle. And some of our struggles are worse than others, and we categorize them, and we do different things, and they cost certain things, and they take certain things. But at the end of the day, we're all struggling, and that's why the incarnation for Jesus to step into a poor Jewish family 2,000 years ago in the Middle East, And live that life matters because he knows exactly what it feels like to struggle. Paul says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The unseen realm is teeming with the powers of darkness. And Jesus steps into your world and stands in direct opposition to those powers. He stands right up in front of those powers. And Jesus is not only standing up against those powers, Jesus is Lord over those powers. Jesus is the reason that James, his brother, could write, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will, what? Flee from you. If I, I'm not going to ask you, but if I was to have you raise your hands again and say, for those of you wrestling something, how great would it be if the devil would just flee right now? Yeah, some of you are like, I'm going to raise my hand anyway. Yeah, because, listen, it's, it's great for us to have all that theology and we sing it and we love it and we praise it and we love it. But if it makes no difference in your life, you're wasting your time. We, we have to bring the things that are unseen into the scene. We need those things to matter. We call it embodying your faith. What does it look like for Jesus to show up in that struggle? By the way, it doesn't mean he's going to take it away. But he does promise to go with you into it. Struggle is part of the process. Suffering. Paul would tell Timothy when he was telling him how to be a pastor, he would say, anyone who desires to live a godly life will suffer persecution. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Notice though, your resistance isn't what saves you. Is it? Just resisting. Why isn't the devil leaving? Because you're still in control. I'm going to I'm going to resist. Rise of the resistance. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Disney fan, let's go. No, 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 what's it say? Oh, we're back to that lordship thing, aren't we? What's it say? 
submit. I knew you could do it. <laughs> Only two of you, though. I believe if you're watching online, you shouted submit right away, willingly. No, no, it says submit yourselves to God. And what happens if you submit yourself to God and then resist the devil? What happens? See, because the devil's not afraid of you. He's not afraid of you. He's not afraid of your power. But he is afraid of your dad. Come on, somebody. That was better. That was better than you responded. Don't you love? Like, I love when my, when my kids are like, my dad's huge. My dad could beat your dad up. But let's go. I mean, we're, we believe in Jesus. We're peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall inherit the earth. Get him! Right? Like, uh, right? Could, but I won't. My man. I feel that. Right? He's, the devil's not afraid of you. He's not afraid of you. In fact, I think if the devil can get you to think that you can handle it, he's won. Because we can't. So Jesus gave, can save you very much in this present moment from the powers of darkness that surround you right now. In your marriage, in raising your kids. I'm preaching it myself now. The kids part, not the marriage part, of course. We're great. At work, in your neighborhood, in your relationships, in the unseen realm. In the powers of darkness that surround you. What is more, aren't you glad there's even more than that? I mean, that would be great for today. But there's more. What is more is that the text is crystal clear that he not only came to save you in this present moment, which he can and does, but that he has come to save you eternally. That there is more than this life. There is more than what we can see. And he has come to save you for that. Let me say it to you this way. Adoption precedes liberation. Adoption precedes liberation. If he's not your dad, he's not going to rescue you. The Bible says this in John chapter 1, verse 12, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are what? Sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness. Listen, the third member of the Trinity bears witness in your spirit that you are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. There's eternity. So we're children now. He's present now. Abba, Father, now. But eternally an heir of Christ. Provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Adoption, Abba, Father, freedom. By the way, it works that way in real life. When we adopted Malachi, I couldn't even talk to him. Amen. And we've been on a seven year journey of Abba Father. That he's got a dad. And it takes time to understand and trust and love 
And I'm a really imperfect example of it, but isn't it a beautiful example? Freedom. Do you believe that you have a father who is good and who saves and who is eternal and who sent your older brother Jesus to rescue you so that for eternity there would be freedom. It matters. The incarnation matters because what's the common denominator here? That Jesus came. That He came and all these things are a result that He came. The incarnation makes the difference. It's the incarnation that is, and this will be on the screen for you, it's in the incarnation that our orthodoxy meets our orthopraxy. So some 50 cent words for you to write down. Make me feel smart. What does that mean? Add this to the slide there, Jordan. That the collision of right belief and right practice. And there's some other definitions that other people use, but that's the one I'm using and that's the one I'm sticking with and that's the one I believe in. There has to be a collision of what you believe meeting what you do. On God's part and on your part. Right? Because you can also be a kid and not act like a kid in the family, right? I've told you before that there are things that when the coons don't, like this ain't part of your eternal family, but coons don't do that. Right? You represent me when you go out. How's our representation doing? I want to tie all of that together. All of that incarnational being together in what Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 2, because how does the incarnation tie everything together in your life? Jesus says it matters that you can see Him and that in seeing Him you see the Father and all of those truths that come out of that we just talked about matter in your life. I want to just reinforce it from Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 through 15. And I want you to be encouraged by this today. Because it starts out with where you need to be practicing. And then it reinforces what you're practicing with all the things that you aren't capable of. So follow the progression here. Chapter 2, verse 6. It'll be on the screen for you. Therefore. Anytime you see a therefore in the Bible, you ask, what's it? Therefore, you're welcome. As you received Christ. Think about this. As you received Christ Jesus, the what? Lord, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. What does it look like on Thursday? That. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. If you're ever confused, go back to Christ. For in Him the fullness of deity dwells. What? Bodily. The incarnation. It matters. Why? Why does it matter? Because you have been filled with Him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision not made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, 
in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Why does the incarnation matter? Why does Advent matter? Because it was in Jesus going to the cross and rising from the dead that Jesus triumphed over every other power that there is. And the scripture says it's with him that you are made alive. It's with him that you are filled. And without him, you will continue to not find the promised life that you are looking for. Because Jesus came and did that, the incarnation. Advent, then, is an invitation. If Jesus is all of those things, then Advent is an invitation to do three things. And I want you to write these down for this next four weeks, five weeks of your life. Because you're going to have to revisit them because you're not going to actually live them out. (laughs) And I won't either. And so we're going to encourage each other and disciple each other and hold each other accountable to this. Advent. If Jesus came and if he's coming again, then that moment of waiting, that Advent, the expectation that Jesus will come again, invites you and I to do three things. Number one, to rest. To rest. If he is in control, then you could lose everything in this world and still not lose. You actually believe that. I struggle with that. Can I just be honest with you? I have such a hard time with that because I like my things. I do. I like driving a car, a Jeep, let's go. I like having my watch. I like having my stuff, my technology. I like all my things. I like having a house. I like... But I could lose all of that and be okay. Jesus said, you can gain the whole world, but what's it matter if you lose your what? Your soul. I don't want to lose my soul. I don't want to lose my soul to the things and cares of this world. Rest. The second invitation that I think is where we get hung up a lot is to look. Are you looking for signs that Jesus is here because he is? Are you looking for signs that Jesus is here? Which leads us to the third invitation, to see them, to see, rest, look, and then see. Where is he active in the world? To rest in, to look for, and to see Jesus. Amen? It matters to your life at this very instant. And so I want to invite you to stand, because what that does in me is it brings a peace, it brings a security, it brings a 
living faith to my heart. 